Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Jean-Louis, the uh, host of the Deep Voiceman Show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we, we have a treat in store for you guys. Uh, our guest is Lori A. Mann, and uh, she's based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and she helps entrepreneurs get top-tier clients and sales while building a brand. And she is a marketing consultant a business and sales coach, and a media buyer, speaker, author, and philanthropist. Uh, she is the Chief Creative Officer of Quality Media Consultant Group, LLC, and she is an official member of the Forbes Coaches Council. Uh, so we are very lucky to have her here with us as a guest, and uh, she was able to carve out some time in her pack schedule to uh, sit down and uh, have a chat with us. So we are very blessed. I, I guess to start off, uh, uh, Lori, can you tell us about your background and how you first gravitated towards doing what you do today? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And um, I am excited to talk about entrepreneurship and just have a in-depth conversation with you about the state of business today. So a little about my background, I spent 19 years in radio sales and marketing, and I worked for two of the largest media conglomerates in the USA, uh, selling advertising and marketing solutions for uh, small business and big business. So when you work for a radio conglomerate, you end up selling radio advertising as well as streaming and websites and digital assets and things of that nature and helping clients to come up with the best advertising and marketing campaigns to promote their products and services. So that's what I did for the majority of my career. And in 2009, I was downsized. And so I decided at that point I did not want to work for corporate anymore and I wanted to take control of my career and start my own business. And so I did that uh, a month after I was downsized and have not looked back. I've been in business for 13 years now, and um, I'm excited to keep going. Wow. Um, thank you so much for sharing uh you know, your uh, life story for the last couple of years. Um, truly amazing and truly inspiring, I must say. And, you know, so you essentially made that leap from being uh, an employee to being self-employed, which so many people dream about but never actually uh, take that leap, so to speak. <laughs> so yeah, my... <laughs> I really, yeah, I really Good. wanted to go from employee to entrepreneur, and it was something I always wanted to do but never had the guts to do it. So you know how they say when one door closes, another one opens. And so basically all I did was just open the door for myself. That's amazing. And, you know, so it's interesting. So obviously in 2009 things were a little crazy, right? Um, yeah, I remember it was like the Great Recession. And so a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people were uh, downsized and whatnot. And you took something that was unfortunate, but you turned it into a blessing like you just mentioned. And it it just goes to show you. So at the time, it was probably a, a tough thing, right, what you were going through. But it was sort of like that blessing in disguise. You know, you talk about 13 years, right, and you've never looked back, which is incredible. That's amazing. You left the corporate world to, to go out on your own. And so, you know, again, I, I, I tip my hat off to you and whatnot. Now, obviously, uh, you've been an entrepreneur for 
for almost a decade and a half, and you you're chugging along, and then uh, you know obviously all of a sudden we get hit with this this pandemic, right? <laughs> and so yeah. I'm curious, right? Can you go ahead and describe the you know the current state of of, of business, marketing, and entrepreneurialism, and, and what challenges, if any, has the pandemic posed? Well, I think entrepreneurialism is basically the same as it always has been. Uh, you have to stay abreast of trends and the economy. You have to stay in touch with your target audience. You have to keep your pulse on anything that is competitive intelligence around learning what your competition is doing so that you're not copying them and doing the same thing so you can stand out in a sea of sameness. Uh, entrepreneurialism is also about, you know, making sure you stay educated and informed about, you know, the the world of business and just what it takes to succeed and be profitable. And when it comes to navigating uncertain times, which are, you know, what we are in and what has been you know, presented to us as a re- as it relates to this pandemic, it, it just really confirms what we already knew, and that is change is inevitable, and we can't predict the future. So we already knew that, but this pandemic has really hit that home for us, and it has really presented entrepreneurs and uh, small business owners with some unique challenges that you know, we had to learn how to pivot and really take control of our online brand because when the country shut down and really when the world shut down back in 2020, uh, it was like, okay, what, what do you have online? What are your online assets? What is your online brand doing and what are you promoting? And, um, you know, it was the challenge of finding new customers and, coming up with funding and trying to keep your existing customers and how are you going to grow your business and how are you going to make your customers comfortable if you did have a a storefront business and, you know, how are you going to pivot basically? Just what were you going to do to stay engaged and to stay top of mind with your audience and what creative and innovative ways were you going to serve them uh, so that you wouldn't skip a beat. And so um, I think anything that forces us to be innovative is mostly a good thing. <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, the pandemic wasn't all bad. It really forced us to be more creative and more innovative when it comes to figuring out how we can serve our target audience better. And, you know, actually, it's funny. I, I love how you phrased that, that it wasn't so much a bad thing. You know, it's funny how we, we keep bumping along to that concept of a blessing in disguise, right? When you got downsized, you you turned it into something great, right? And, and again, with the pandemic, it, it allowed a, a period of time that we're still in of lots of creativity and innovation. And, you know, history repeats itself because apparently during the Great Depression, uh, there were a lot of great companies that were created during that time period. Uh, so it was a lot of innovation that happened uh, during that crisis, as you can imagine. Absolutely. So uh, you know, it's it's interesting because I'm sure you've heard the the saying that you know life is um, 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. 
and uh, you know you're you're obviously living proof of that. And uh, so many businesses that have thrived in spite of or due to the pandemic are are living. Uh, you know, they're the pure embodiment of that cliche of that saying. So uh, there is something to that, and I love that word pivot. Uh, <laughs> how you have to change. You know, you can't you can't control the wind, but you can adjust the sails, so to speak. And, and that's what you you take care of what you can control. And so, um, you know, it's just amazing. So it's interesting. You talked about the importance of staying abreast and market research. You always have to stay a step ahead and know what's going on. It reminds me of, of companies like Kodak and, and Blockbuster. You know, a lot of young kids may not even uh, know about these firms, but at one time they were very famous. You know, I believe Kodak was part of the Dow Jones at one time. And uh, <laughs> we all know what happened. You know, they weren't keeping adjust with the change, keeping abreast with the changes and doing their research and staying on top of things. And so they're no more. So it, it's interesting. Even these large companies, they still need to do their market research. They still need to stay on top of the trends, figure out what the competition is doing. Just try to always, even if you're in the lead, you want to stay in the lead. You got to stay challenging yourself and whatnot. So there, there definitely is something uh, to that. And you mentioned that during the pandemic, a lot of businesses focused on the, on their online uh, branding. And that's where uh, folks like yourself come in. And you, know, you help uh, business owners and entrepreneurs uh, build that brand online. You know, just before I, I uh, hopped on this interview with you, I, I read an article you were, uh, uh, that you wrote on LinkedIn. It was published on LinkedIn about content and how you build your brand with content. And I thought it was very uh, educational. So, uh, you know, it definitely showed your knowledge and passion for the subject, I must say. So it's a very well-written article. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. And um, for the folks listening, you definitely want to, uh, you know, read you know, Lori's stuff on LinkedIn. It's quite enlightening, I must say. So um, I'm curious now, obviously, uh, we're, we're sort of seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. The pandemic, uh, I think we're sort of kind of, past the, uh, the, the worst of it, so to speak. And I, I'm curious, where do you see things going in the future and uh, when it comes to business, marketing, and entrepreneurialism? And where do you see yourself in that future? Well, it's interesting that you say that. Um, I think the trend is really pointing toward um, streaming and connected TV. Uh, you know, Hulu is uh, just taken off, you know, uh, most companies are trying to figure out how they can incorporate some type of um, connected TV into their marketing strategy and their digital marketing plan. And uh, it's just really interesting and intriguing to me that people are trying to figure out, you know, do we need to be streaming? Um, do we need to be changing our social media strategy? Um, you know, what is it that we need to be doing in order to stay uh, abreast of the trends? And where is, you know, where is it all going? Because, you know, social media has changed the game over the last decade. But I would say that according to where the industry is going, um, I would say connected TV 
Roku and Amazon Fire and um, Hulu, all of those um, platforms are other places where you may want to decide where, you know, you need to show up because if your target audience is there, that may be where you need to start looking next. And so I think one of the main trends in terms of uh, marketing and advertising in this digital age is definitely CTV and, um, you know, just researching those platforms that are not traditional um, mainstream TV or mainstream radio. Not that those still don't work because they do, Um, but I'm just, you know, referring to what you just asked in terms of where things are going. And I think for the next decade, that is going to be the next trend. Wow. Thank you so much for that. And uh, obviously I know you don't have a crystal ball, but thank you so much for providing your, obviously your best educated guess. And that's all we can do with the future, you know, obviously, but you always have to have that hypothesis and, um, have an idea of where things are going so you can prepare and whatnot. This is what oftentimes the best firms do, of course. So you mentioned uh, before the the popularity of streaming is just going to expand. It's just going to grow. You mentioned Hulu, uh, Amazon Fire, Roku, connected TV, and whatnot. So a lot of folks are going to have to figure out ways how to advertise on those platforms if they want to reach uh, target audiences. I imagine um, advertising on those platforms would probably be somewhat expensive, but in a way, in a sense, advertising is an investment, right? When you put a dollar in an ad, you're hoping to get three or four dollars back. I'm assuming that, that that's the plan, right? <laughs> or even more. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So, uh, but you also talked about social media and how that's growing, and uh, there's so many firms who are, who are understanding the importance of social media. How uh, integral it is, uh, and, and so I'm hearing that a lot of people are making good money be, becoming social media managers, uh, where they just manage firms' social media pages, and they're working from home as freelancers doing great, which is, um, <laughs> I'm guessing, an amazing job to have, or, or business, rather, as a freelancer. So social media, obviously, is very important. But I also hear that email marketing, apparently, is still, even though email is old, it's not as you know, uh, fancy and new as and novel as social media, apparently that has the highest ROI uh, uh, that I hear. So email marketing probably is not going to go ever go away, um, probably just as important as social media uh, marketing, so to speak. Uh, I so, would agree uh, you. you would, right? Oh, uh, yeah. So you find, that, you find that to be the case, too, yeah. Well, it's because email marketing represents your specific online real estate, right? It's just like your website. You control your website. You control your email marketing. So as long as you've got those email addresses, you can communicate with that audience anytime you see fit. As long as you're bringing value and content that they care about, they don't mind seeing your email in their inbox. And so it's the content that you can manage and control. You can't control your social media pages, you know, from the content standpoint you can, but, you know, you can't control when or if they happen to go down. You know, I remember a couple months ago when Facebook went down for eight hours, you know, there were some people who were just like completely lost, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, Facebook is down. What do I do? 
But if you had an email list, if you have connection with your audience outside of your social media, you're not going to ever be worried about how you can communicate with your customers if you have their cell phone number or their email address because text messaging is also a huge way of communicating with your audience. So I would always say keep your email list tight and keep your cell phone list tight as well to give you some options to be able to communicate with your audience. Wow, and that's excellent advice because, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of research on, uh, you know, SMS marketing uh, in regards to, you know, text messages and whatnot. And apparently they have a very high response rate, uh, higher than email, uh, so to speak, although email still has the highest ROI, so it's still important. But it's, I guess it's good to have both. Uh, and, you know, I was speaking with a friend recently who's also a business coach, and he was telling me that um, social media is like rented ground. You don't really own it. You're just renting it, right, because your Facebook account could shut down, your Instagram account could shut down. Sometimes social media um, outlets, uh, platforms can go out of style, right, or go out of business. We saw that with MySpace, right? <laughs> So, yeah. MySpace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, a lot of young kids probably don't know about MySpace, but uh, they'll have to Google it and figure it out. But um, you know, it's interesting. So yeah. So that email list is something that you own, uh, as you mentioned before. So and it's, and also uh, when it comes to text message marketing, uh, so entrepreneurs need to really look into that and whatnot. So I'm curious now. Obviously, you are out there helping firms. With this, uh, you know, giving them incredible advice like you are on this on this interview, uh, which I'm, we're all very appreciative of. And you are helping firms get clients, you know, build that brand and whatnot. But you know, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who out there who may not want to seek help, and they they feel that maybe you know a lot of them have that type A personality. They think, well, why do I have to hire a coach or a consultant to help me with this? Why don't I just figure this out on my own or do this on my own? And and, and handle this, and why do I have to pay money to somebody to tell me what to do or give me advice or suggestions? Uh, what would you say to those kind of people who think what you do is unnecessary? Well, first of all, if anyone thinks that having a business coach or mentor or consultant, whatever word you want to give it, is unnecessary, then the same question I would I would pose to them is, okay, well, do you think having a cardiologist is unnecessary if you have heart problems? Do you think having a dentist is unnecessary if you need a crown or cavity field? Uh, The fact of the matter is, in every profession, there are specialists, and there are people to help you with a specific problem that you may encounter. And business coaching and consulting is no different. Building a profitable business is not for the faint at heart. It's not something that you can just Google your way through. You know, a lot of people think that you can just Google everything and you can just, you know, type in certain words on YouTube and figure it out on your own. What you will get is a barrage of information Uh, that is not tailored to your specific situation. And then you'll be left to try to figure out what you should do and when. But the key thing that you don't know is what you don't know. 
And so when you don't know what you don't know, you're not able to really put a plan together that's profitable. And if you have success, it typically is accidental success that is not lasting but more like fleeting. And so when you work with a business consultant who is experienced and has expertise and credibility in the areas where you need to grow, then you get that specialized care, you get that specialized consulting, you get expert advice, you get accountability, and you get ideas and creative, innovative suggestions to help you move from one level to the next. And so basically what you're getting is a recipe that's proven. So it's the same thing, you know, in the food industry. If you want to be a chef, oh, you can start cooking but you won't be classically trained unless you go to culinary school and unless you get some experience. And people might like your food, but you probably won't win any food contests and you probably won't be invited to the biggest culinary events of the world because you are not trained or prepared to do the work you're doing. You're just passionate about it. And so there's a difference between passion and skill and expertise and experience, as well as knowing the proven strategies to give someone so that they can experience the success that they crave. Wow, that was that was an amazing answer, and uh, one of the best answers I've heard um, when I whenever I give coaches this question. And so, uh, <laughs> bravo to you! And um, I, I love how you talked about how you know when someone needs a dentist. When someone needs a doctor, obviously they go to a trained professional who, who is licensed, right, who went to school, who knows what they're doing, right, who's an expert. They don't try to figure it out on their own, right? And, uh, right. You know, and so that is completely, utterly true. And you talked a lot about how people tend to just think they could just Google to find, use Google to find out what they need to find out or use YouTube and whatnot. And uh, not that they're not valuable resources. And obviously, I, you know, I always love reading, you know, books and personal development books and things of that nature. But, you know, I always tell people that a book or a YouTube video or, you know, a social media post can't hold you accountable, right, can't give you tailored uh, specific advice for your situation. They can only uh, mention things that are general, that apply to everyone or most people, but not specifically to you. And so a coach can do that. And, and so, you know, I always tell people the number one key to success is other people, you know, <laughs> you know, hanging out with the right type of people, you know, getting the right kind of mentor, having folks who hold you accountable, having a good network that can provide you opportunities and referrals and having a, a you know, a large audience or, uh, you know, following that can, uh, you know, buy products from you that you're offering because they like you, they, they're a fan of yours. So, you know, it's interesting because obviously I think a lot of people don't understand the importance of having a coach and not just a business coach, but I, I'm referring to coaches in general, you know, life coach, uh, LinkedIn coach, there's so many different types of coaches, but coaches help you help speed you along on that, that learning curve, right? They help, you know, if you're doing it on your own, it might take two or three years, but with a coach, you get there faster, right? You get there quicker instead of spinning your wheels and, and wasting so much time trying to perhaps learn it on your own. You know, uh, and you know, and making sure, and you might give up if you try it on your own because it's taking so long. So, um, I, you know, I'm a big fan of coaches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's say a, a 
credible, experienced coach because there are so many people out there who use the word coach or consultant very loosely, and they don't have the experience and the expertise. You know, but you have to vet them out and make sure that they have expertise in the area where you need help. Absolutely, and that's so amazing because, as you know, I think we all know the barrier to entry is is low, right, in terms of becoming a coach. It's uh, it's not like being a doctor where you have to go to school and get a license, right, and, and, and spend years doing a residency or whatnot, but uh, anyone could wake up tomorrow and call themselves a coach. But So if one hires a coach, they have to do proper vetting, proper research, you know, have, you know, have the right questions uh, and make sure they get the right answers and whatnot. So that's a very uh, key advice, and thank you so much for that. Uh, I'm, I'm curious now. Obviously, there are so many coaches out there because it's so easy to become a coach, right? <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm just curious now, when it comes to the, just a large sea of coaches out there, how do you, um, as a coach yourself and consultant, stand out? Like, what's your um, competitive advantage? Well, I have a few competitive advantages. One is my background that I shared with you before and having worked with Fortune 500 companies in key roles of helping them to do what I say I know how to do, and that is, you know, helping individuals, you know, basically entrepreneurs brand, market, and sell their products and services in compelling ways so they can increase their income and cash flow. Well, learning how to do that for corporations was critical for me to learn how to do that for entrepreneurs and small business owners. And so that's one thing that differentiates me. Another thing that differentiates me is that I'm really great at putting messaging together. So I like words. I've always loved language and the English language, of course, and trying to convey messages to an audience. I've always been intrigued by the fact that you could put a message out there and then people would hear that message or view that message and then go and respond and buy something. It was always just truly amazing to me. And so I have cultivated my expertise when it comes to crafting magnetic messaging that helps to create a response for the end user, the advertiser, the business owner. So I call myself a soul wordsmith, and that means I just try to connect on a soul level with the audience to move them to action based on really hitting the nail on the head with the words and the messaging that I use. And so that's one thing that sets me apart. And the other thing is I am a believer. I'm a Christian, and I believe in doing business with integrity and authenticity and I just believe in being a person of my word, and you'd be surprised as to how that truly sets you apart because if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and you can hold me accountable to that. And um, I believe that having trust and accountability in business is very important. So those are some of the distinguishing factors that uh, set me apart and aside from other people. Wow, and that's amazing. And I can see why those things give you a distinct advantage. And so it's interesting. You talked a lot about, uh, you know, having that, you have integrity, 
you're trustworthy. And you hear this all the time. You know, so many business owners have bad experiences with marketers who promise them the world and don't deliver, right? And, and it, you know, they've been burned really badly from, uh, from people who made all these types of promises. And so that's why, you know, I was talking to a guy who works in digital marketing. He's saying that's why people like us have such a bad reputation is because so many people have been burned. And so you're out there, you know, working with firms, helping them with their branding, helping them with marketing, and you're out there sort of, sort of cleaning up the mess, right? <laughs> and I'm sure you've heard these horror stories from entrepreneurs that, uh, you know, of how they've been fleeced by marketers and whatnot. So it's interesting. You also talked a lot about how you work with, uh, how you used to work with Fortune 500 companies with their marketing. So now you've made that transition from working with the big guys to working with the small or medium-sized guys. And if it worked for the big guys, it can definitely work perhaps with the smaller guys, obviously with a few changes or tweaks. So you, and you talked a lot about how you like the English language and how you called yourself a soul wordsmith, which I think is amazing. I, I, uh, you know, I haven't heard that before, but I love it so much. And you can just feel the passion in your voice when you talk about this issue. And so it's just incredible. I love pe- talking to people who are passionate about what they do. And, and you know, yeah. it's, it's contagious, it's infectious. And so I'm curious, you probably helped a lot of firms uh, succeed. Can you, um, can you tell us uh, any of the most um, entertaining or any funny stories from your career or life in general? Funny stories. Oh, well, let me clear up one thing. I still do work with corporations. Uh, I just added small business and entrepreneurs to what I do in terms of the services I offer now. Uh, but thinking about funny stories, I don't know that I have any funny stories, but I have interesting stories because I think humor is relative, right? <laughs> so. Um, I don't want to say something's funny, then you're like crickets, like, Lori, that's really not that funny. So um, I think one story that I can share is that I've worked with this national organization uh, once, and they were an organization that worked with millennials to help them get the spoken word out, and they did this uh, festival and really promoted the spoken word for young people who wanted to use their voice to be seen and heard on a national platform. And in consulting with them about their marketing and PR, uh, I was able to get them coverage with this local TV station. And one of the things that was humorous but also really heartwarming was there was a young lady who had never been featured on any TV or radio medium or anything like that before and was just very, very uncomfortable with putting herself out there like that. And so once the opportunity presented itself, um, you know, we were just like, okay, either you're going to, buckle or you're going to soar. You're going to swim or you're going to sink and drown. And so the joke was, you know, either way it goes, people are going to talk about it and you might go viral on YouTube. So 
just be prepared either way that um, it's going to be really, really good or really, really bad. And so it turns out that she crushed it. And after really, you know, giving them, you know, like I said, that soul messaging to connect with the audience, uh, it was something that, you know, they ended up getting, they didn't go viral, but they really got a lot of traction in their media from um, the interview that she had on TV and um, with radio stations. And so it really was a great and memorable marketing campaign, and they ended up selling out. So that's just something I, I can share. But I, I don't really or can't really think of any, any humorous stories, but that was one that was really successful. So thanks for the opportunity to think back on something that was positive at least. Well, that's great, and I prefer inspiring stories over funny. It, I think it helps to maintain the theme that we're trying to, uh, you know, craft here, right? Of course. <laughs> so, love the story, and I and I like stories of people who overcome. You know, this was a woman who had a bit of maybe some stage fright, some insecurity, but she, you said she crushed it, which is amazing, which is incredible. I love hearing stories of people succeed, so in um, overcoming obstacles, we all do, so to speak. And um, even though it didn't go viral, and, and having things go viral, it's like hit or miss. But um, it may not really be a requirement, so to speak, I think, most of the time. But you said that she had success and, and, and sold out, uh, my understanding, which is incredible. That's great. So um, thank you so much for sharing that very uplifting, positive story. And uh, it talks, it goes back to the, that, uh, to the point we're trying to make that you know what you're doing, of course, as a coaching consultant and advisor, and you gave her the advice she needed. And, and, you know, a lot of people tend to work and perform well under pressure. You'd be very surprised. So I love how you talk about you either sink or you swim, and oftentimes people just learn how to swim when, that, when they're in that moment, right? <laughs> so um, thank you again for sharing that lovely story. Um, now, uh, you and I, um, uh, we met uh, through the LinkedIn platform, right? And, um, you know, I love LinkedIn because I view LinkedIn as a 24-7 networking event, right? <laughs> it's international. It's, uh, it's free. It doesn't cost money like the Chamber of Commerce, right? It's, you can just hop on there and just meet all different types of people. And, you know, if you want to meet more people, you can, of course, get a paid account, right, uh, one of the paid accounts that they have. So um, I love LinkedIn for that purpose, and, um, and I love networking in general. And I'm sure you understand the importance of networking. You know, so many business owners are at the point where they, um, they don't need to necessarily sell or market, but they, they just solely or mostly rely on referrals. And I think a lot of people want to get to that point, particularly, you know, um, anyone who's a real estate agent or coach or, or whatnot. Um, I'm curious, what networking advice do you um, have for folks, and not just for business owners, but this could also work for people who are employees looking for a job if they're, uh, you know, don't like their current job or if they're currently unemployed and they're looking for work. Um, what networking advice do you have for folks? Yeah, I love what you said about LinkedIn being a 24-hour networking event. Uh, and that's, that's really so incredibly factual <laughs> because if you use it that way, you definitely will reap some benefits. I think in terms of advice when it comes to networking in today's age, I, I think it's very important to always approach networking with the mindset of 
how can I be of service, how can I help, before thinking about what you can get and how you can benefit. So there's a quote, you know, if you help enough people get what they want out of life, you will in turn get what you want out of life. And I believe that's from the sales master Zig Ziglar, who, uh, of course, is deceased. But in his heyday, he was known as a person who really was masterful at selling. And the concept of helping other people get what they want is basically just being selfless, right? And seeking to be of value before you extract value. Because if I help you get what you want and need, then you're going to remember me as a resource. You're going to remember me as a colleague. You're going to remember me as a trusted advisor, a connector. And then if you are a good-hearted person, you're going to also try to do something in the future to help me. That's just how human beings work if they are, you know, decent individuals. So I think when you approach networking with the mindset of really helping people and also being a connector, that is going to serve you well because people will start to think of, you know what, they connected me to Mark, John, and Mary, and Sue. Let me connect them to Bob and Patty and so forth and so on. And so people want to reciprocate naturally. And so when the opportunity presents itself, they want to then start to think of ways that they can help and serve you. So I think, you know, in summary, just serve people, help them get what they want and need, and then be a connector. And, of course, always make it easy for people to connect with you by having your digital business card ready. Uh, I don't know a lot of people that still use printed cards. I'm one of the few people who still do. (laughs) But I also have a digital business card that I share as well for those people who only want the digital contact information. So those are the three things I would share about networking. Thank you so much for that incredible wisdom. And uh, as you're talking, I'm, I'm jotting down notes. It's like you're, you're a teacher, a professor, and I'm a student. So, um, <laughs> and I appreciate the, the lessons here. And uh, it, it's amazing. You know, you, and by the way, I, I still use printed business cards. I don't know if they'll ever go out of style. I still have them. You're not the only one. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, the, the idea of being of service, you know, it, uh, that's so important. And, you know, networking is all about building relationships, but, you know, being the first to provide value. And I totally agree with that. You know, uh, I was reading a book by Bob Berg, um, who who wrote the book uh, Go-Giver, and Go-Givers Sell More. And he talks a lot about this philosophy of giving. And when you give, you have have no choice but to receive. And so that's why, um, you know, I I love that, that, that law of reciprocity. It's so true in human nature. I think Cialdini wrote about it in his book, Influence. Um, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And uh, Ivan Misner, uh, who founded BNI, uh, their uh, slogan is Giver's Gain. So uh, there's all the masters of networking have that same advice that you just shared, the idea of giving, not trying to get, but to be of service. And I love the Zig Ziglar quote, if you want something from people, you got to give them something that they want 
That is absolutely uh, so true. And uh, so, again, thank you so much uh, for your uh, wisdom uh, uh, when it comes to networking. And I guess now that we're on the topic of networking and referrals, uh, I wanted to pose this question to you. Uh, what, uh, what type of businesses do you work with mostly? And, um, you know, what do I have to hear from someone uh, in, in order for me to refer them to you uh, so we can, you know, I and we can all help you out? Well, I work with what I like to call purpose-driven entrepreneurs and small business owners who want to grow and scale their businesses. And that's the key thing. If they want to increase sales, and most businesses do, unless they're just completely slammed with customers and they don't have any more capacity to take on anymore. But most businesses want to find ways that they can grow in some area of business and increase their revenue and their cash flow and, of course, market share. So those are the things that you would be looking for, you know, for someone who may need my services. The other thing is, you know, if it's an entrepreneur, if they have a brand that's not a bankable brand, they have a brand that's not in demand, they have a brand that they're not proud of, and they perhaps have brand shame, then I can help them turn that around and give them brand fame for that shame and brand notoriety for that obscurity and brand brilliance for that basicness. So that's the other thing. And when it comes to the marketing and sales piece, you can't have, you know, successful sales if you don't have a killer bankable brand and if you don't have magnetic marketing. So it all goes in together. But I always lead with the sales part of helping entrepreneurs and businesses to increase their cash flow and revenue and in, in that record time, because we don't want you to wait, you know, a year or two or three to get that cash injection. We want to help you get it in a reasonable amount of time. And so those are the things that, you know, I would be looking for if someone were to be presented to me as a prospect to turn them into a paying client. And I typically work with entrepreneurs in service-based businesses primarily, but I also, you know, a small part of my business is working with product-based business owners, but I really jam with service-based businesses and entrepreneurs that are really, like I said, zoned in and focused on the fact that they're called to do this work, their purpose to do this work, and whatever industry that they're in, it really is a mission and a vision that's bigger than them. And so I'm really ecstatic to help those kinds of entrepreneurs get to that next level. Thank you for asking the question. <laughs> Absolutely. And thank you for answering it. I love the answer. And, you know, I, I can feel the passion in your voice for wanting to help business owners. It's, it's, it's contagious. And you, so you talked a lot about how you work with purpose-driven firms, uh, mostly service-based uh, type of firms, right? And these are people who are looking to grow, who want to level up. And you mentioned how the, the, you oftentimes work with firms that have brands that are not uh, bankable, that are not in demand, 
that have brand shame and you turn that around into brand fame. I love that. <laughs> and uh, so, and that's, that's just simply amazing. You know, there's an old quote that, you know, if you, if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. And, um, and it, you, I think you're living that kind of life right now as an entrepreneur, um, so to speak, and uh, which is just uh, incredible. And, you know, you talked a lot about working with business owners who believe they're, uh, they're, they're driven, that this is what they were born to do, right? And I, and I feel that you're the same way, right? You, I feel that you, you're doing work that you were born to do, that this is your purpose. You know, Mark Twain once said that you have two birthdays in life, the day you were born and the day you figure out why. And I think you know both your birthdays, which is incredible. <laughs> so, yes. um, <laughs> so uh, my hat is off to you. Um, but uh, now we sort of have to take it toward a, a negative, uh, dark topic, unfortunately. Uh, I, I'm curious, uh, you know, I'd be remiss or we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this fact, of course. Um, unfortunately, most new businesses that start fail. Um, there's a high failure rate with businesses, which tends to scare off a lot of people when it comes to the idea of starting a business, which is very unfortunate. You know, so many new businesses fail within the first couple of years. I'm curious, why do you think that is, and what what can entrepreneurs do to, to kind of turn these ugly stats around? Well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about before. When people start businesses because they have a passion, but they don't have a plan. And so you start a business because you really like doing something, and it went from being a side hustle to your main gig, and and so you just launched out there and, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to start a business or, okay, I'm going to start a nonprofit, but you don't have a plan. You don't know the first thing about being an entrepreneur. You don't know the first thing about running a successful business, and it takes more than just selling your products and services on social media. It takes more than getting, you know, 100 or 200 or 300 likes on IG or TikTok or Twitter or whatever, you got to have a plan for success because there's another quote, and I can't remember who said it, success leaves clues. And so when you're clueless about how to reach success in the first place, you're not going to sustain any success that you experience because it really is going to be accidental and happenstance. And so, you know, we can't build successful businesses from our family and friends alone. Those people who get to millionaire and billionaire status, they are doing business with people that they don't know. And their customers are people they don't know. And then, of course, they have some people who they do know, but in order for you to expand and get to that level of real influence and real impact, you have to get to people that you don't know, and you have to expand your reach and your, uh, your advertising and your marketing with people who are really looking for the solution that you offer. And so the reason why people fail is because they don't have a plan, they are not prepared, they're not organized, and they're not positioned for success in the right way. And so when a Again, you don't know what you don't know. There is nothing that can prepare you for running a business. And so I think people can, you know, turn that around 
by, number one, doing your research and also getting a business consultant, coach, or mentor to help you when you start out. Do your research and then also make sure that when you are networking and when you are making connections and contacts online and putting new people in your network, that you're not the smartest person in the group, that you are actually rubbing shoulders with people who are 10 steps ahead of you and figuring out how you can help them, how you can learn from them, and how you can get to that next level. Wow, thank you so much for that. And again, I'm, I'm taking notes as you talk. And uh, <laughs> you, you talked a lot about uh, entrepreneurs who have the passion but not the plan. And so, and also, I, I think lack of research. There has to be demand for what whatever it is your your business is, is selling, right? Of course, so that that market research is very important. You have to know what the trend is, so to speak. And so. You know, people, oftentimes entrepreneurs fail because of that lack of plan, that lack of preparation, as you mentioned. And, uh, oh, by the way, uh, Tony Robbins, I think, was the one who said the successfully excludes. And I think that's an amazing quote. Uh, if you want to know how to succeed, you've got to learn from people who have succeeded. You know, um, and, you know, and obviously having a coach like yourself, you know, you're out there in the trenches trying to help entrepreneurs, trying to help uh, business owners succeed. Uh, and that's and you business coaches are trying to turn those ugly numbers around, which are very ugly, obviously. And uh, but we want more business owners to succeed, you know, in this free market capitalist society that we have. We need more business owners thriving, you know, and 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 not just surviving, but thriving, you know, getting to that next level. And I love how you talked about you want to have customers that you don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's so important. Obviously, if I open up a restaurant, my mom's going to go there. You know, my sister's going to go there. And my father's going to go there. But you can always count on those people to, to help you out and buy whatever product you're selling. But, uh, you know, to get to that millionaire, billionaire status, you need tons of customers that don't know you, right, from Adam, right? And, uh, and, I, and I think that's so important because so many entrepreneurs are fooling themselves when they just have a bunch of customers who, who know them already, right? Uh, which is great, but you, you need way more than that, right? <laughs> so that is so true. <laughs> And um, absolutely, but I, yeah, uh, but uh, now obviously I said the conversation was going to take a dark turn, and I'm still on in that dark corner, so to speak. Uh, I'm, I'm curious now. Obviously, you are a, a woman of color. You're African American, right? Um, and uh, you know, and this is America. And you know, obviously, there's a lot of social ills in this country. And I'm curious, have you ever encountered racism or sexism? Uh, in your life or career, and if so, how have you overcome it? Well, yeah, absolutely. I was wondering when you said um, this conversation taking a, a dark turn, and then you said I'm a black one, and I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you did. I know you didn't. But you know, I'm just that was funny to me. I have a weird sense of humor. But anyway, um, yes. Yeah, so I am so proud to be and a black woman, so proud to be African-American. And um, I also am very honest about saying that, yes, I have experienced um, racial discrimination. Um, also, I've been sexually harassed. I've been uh, sexually discriminated against, uh, you know, because I was a woman. Um, 
you know, it runs the gamut, and that's just, you know, par for the course in business. Uh, you know, I have stories of, you know, talking to people on the phone who, of course, maybe didn't bother to Google me or check out my <laughs> LinkedIn profile or whatever, and then, you know, met them for coffee or brunch or lunch or whatever. And I'm thinking about this one situation where, where that happened. I actually had a business appointment where it was a cold call that I had made to this business and introduced myself and my services and whatnot and got the owner of the company on the phone and established rapport very quickly and got the meeting, went in, and they kind of looked like, um, no, we were expecting Lori Manns, and it's like, um, that is me. And so it was just, you know, very awkward to be in a situation where someone was clearly, you know, discriminating against me for whatever reason. And, of course, I didn't want to believe it was because of the color of my skin, but, um, you know, that's truly what it was. And actually, when I was in corporate America selling radio one time, I actually had a, a small business owner to tell me uh, that he did not do business with my kind. And when I asked what my kind meant, he politely asked me to leave the premises. And I knew then that my kind either was a woman of color or a woman, period. So I was like, I know I don't have any, you know, features that are that unattractive, and I know I'm, you know, dressed appropriately, I'm looking professional and everything like that, but this person was very, very adamant that they did not want to do business with my kind. And so I uh, basically just said, okay, no problem, I understand, and if you ever decide that you want to do with a, you know, business with a professional who is equipped and prepared to handle your unique situation, then give me a call. But if not, good luck to you, and I'm out. And that was just basically how I handled it, because you don't ever want to put yourself in a situation where you're unwanted for any reason, but you're trying to convince someone that you're qualified and capable. And so my suggestion is simply to, you know, recognize and respect that you're not wanted in that space and move on to the next because there are other opportunities out there that you can, you know, get without having to go through that type of humiliation and mistreatment. So uh, my thing is just move on. And, of course, we live in the, the day and age now where everybody pulls out their phone and records things. But, you know, I, I'm not that type of person. I'm not going to record somebody being, you know, racist to me. You know, I don't have to show the world. I simply have to remove myself from that situation and and move on. And so that's my advice for it. You know, of course, if I felt like I was in danger, then, yeah, I'm going to pull out my phone like everybody else. But uh, for the most part, I think it's just a case of, you know, move on and look for better situations and greater opportunities. Wow. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. And obviously uh, the stories that that you mentioned, are, it's ugly, 
and and whatnot, and uh, it's very unfortunate. But I, but you, but you're succeeding. You know, you're thriving, and and despite you know the haters out there, you're winning in my in my book, and I think in most people's book. And you know what gives me inspiration is you look back in history, and uh, and this inspires me a lot because I'm a black man. Uh, I'm a black person myself, and you know, you look at the history of Black Wall Street. It was this section of Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm sure you're you're familiar with the history, right? And during that dark period of time, this was in the early 1900s, you had African Americans who were thriving economically, even though there was racism that was way worse than uh, what African Americans deal with and people of color deal with now. But even yeah. during that time period, there were still, uh, and not just Black Wall Street, even even during the early 1900s, and maybe even before, there were successful uh, black entrepreneurs. You, you, you look at Madam C.J. Walker. She was the first self-made female millionaire in history of any race, which is incredible, <laughs> particularly in the time that she did that, right? My it's favorite, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's nuts. So you look at that. Even though there's racism now, you look at the racism back then, which was way worse, right? And, 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 and people of color were succeeding. So there's obviously racism can't be used as, a, as an excuse or crutch or whatnot. It's still possible to succeed. And obviously we've come a long way. We still have a, far, uh, a long way to go, but we, we've definitely come a long way. And uh, so, you know, I guess on a brighter note, <laughs> uh, what advice would you give to folks who, who want to do what you do? Who, want, who, are, who are listening to you and say, you know, I want to do what Lori's doing. It, it, what Lori's talking about is it, exciting, and I want to be a coach. Uh, what would you tell them? Well, that's a good one. Uh, it's always very, very encouraging for any new and upcoming aspiring entrepreneur who wants to be a business consultant coach. Etc. And I would just say, you know what, be a student of success. I would say go and get some credentials if you don't have any, depending upon what type of education you have. If you're not equipped to do the work, go get some credentials, whether it's a certification or some experience. Get some experience under your belt. And what the experience is going to help you to do is get that credibility. Because, again, no one wants to work with a generalist. People want to work with specialists. And so you need to get some expertise under your belt and some experience. So do that. Then surround yourself with someone who's already doing what you're doing. Be an understudy and get mentored by someone who's already doing what you want to do and is already successful at it. And then, of course, start where you are. Start small and create your own lane. Whatever it is that you want to do, figure out what your niche is going to be and figure out the group of people, the specific group of people that have a problem that you know you can help them solve and then create a plan to reach them and give them a product or a service that solves that problem. And when you do those things, you'll be off to a better start than most people. 
Wow, that's amazing. And thank you so much for that. Again, that advice could apply to not just, you know, aspiring coaches, but to a whole bunch of other folks. The idea that, again, success leaves clues. You want to get that mentor, right? And you want to focus and dial in, you know, in terms of it's better to be a specialist, so to speak, than a generalist, right? And I totally believe that to be true. You know, they talk about laser focus. You know, a laser is powerful as it is because it's a light that's really focused on, on something, right? <laughs> so I love the idea of being focused like a laser and being a specialist instead of a generalist. Love that. I'm going to take that from you, um, if you don't mind, right? And, uh, and you talk about niches. And I love that word niche because you know, there's a saying that the riches are in the niches, and that's so true. <laughs> and uh, so um, you, you definitely want to uh, find someone, an expert and whatnot, a, an actual living, breathing human being who can mentor you instead of going to Google and YouTube. Um, and so, uh, you know, so important. Thank you so much for that advice. And what advice, uh, looking at the other side of this, uh, would you give to entrepreneurs who are looking for a coach to get to that next level. Now, they can go to you, right, which would be an excellent decision. But let's say you're busy. Let's say you're on vacation. Let's say your hands are full, right? You can't take any more clients, right? <laughs> what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who's looking for a great coach? I would tell them to still call me because if I can't help them, I'm going to connect them with someone in my network who can. Wow. Thank you so much for that. And um, so either way, they should still go to you. And um, I guess, uh, can you tell us any, now you've mentioned so many important life lessons for us. Um, are there any um, in other life lessons that you may not have mentioned before or maybe some you want to repeat or, or emphasize more that you'd love to share with us? Well, something that's really been on my mind lately is just embracing change and being able to navigate life and business when change rears its head. Because the one constant that we have in life is that things are going to change. The one constant that we have in business is that things are going to change. And those two things are what we can be sure of. That there are changes that are going to happen. And the question is, how are you going to approach that change proactively or reactively? So if you're always on the curve of anticipating what the needs are of your target audience and anticipating what the trends will be and researching and staying ahead of the curve, you are going to be comfortable when things change. You're going to be able to switch positions. You're going to be able to elevate or retract or whatever it is that you need to do when that change comes. And so I would just say always be prepared to switch gears if you need to because the worst thing to do is to say, well, this is what we're going to do because we've always done it this way. And you can get stuck being on the last totem pole of, you know, the trajectory of business success when you are so fixed-minded instead of growth-minded. And so I would just say, you know, be very proactive when it comes to change and understanding that you've got to be proactive in your planning and your strategy for business and in life. And the other thing I would say is just be disciplined. And 
I can tell you that there have been times when I didn't want to work, didn't feel like working, but it was my discipline that got me through the day, and it was my discipline that turned into dollars. Because if you are setting the work and doing the work and setting the, the wheels in motion for the plan that you want to activate, then that discipline is going to help you because you've done the action, right? You've done the work and you've planted those seeds, and that seed is going to harvest. So that's what I mean when I say that discipline will turn into dollars eventually. So be disciplined and finally never give up. I don't care what it is you want to do. There are going to be some obstacles. There are going to be some challenges, and you've got to have a made-up mind that you're in it to win it, and you're not going to give up, and you're going to see it through to the end. And that's pretty much it. Wow, love that. And um, you mentioned some great things. You talked about the idea of embracing change. And obviously, you know, life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond. So true. Um, change is inevitable. Um, and change is something you should expect, and you got to stay ahead of the curve, right? And when, particularly when life throws you a curveball, you know, uh, when life gives you lemon, you make lemonade, you make the best of what you have, and you – but you also want to be proactive, not too reactive. You want to see what's around the bend and be ready, right? So um, very true. And you talked a lot about um, the idea of discipline. Discipline turns into dollars, right? And, you know, the, the discipline, when it comes to discipline and consistency, there's, there's magic that happens with that. And you also took, right, and you talked about uh, perseverance. You know, there's so many great stories of perseverance out there, like Colonel Sanders being told no a thousand times, for, uh, and then he finally got KFC off the ground. There was a guy who failed his bar exam 48 times in California, finally became a lawyer. There's countless stories of that to inspire you to understand that perseverance is key. You never give up. You never quit. And so thank you so much uh, for that. I'm curious now, um, can you talk about, um, you know, some of your favorite books, authors that uh, you recommended or gurus? Um, and I know you've written a book yourself. You can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, my book is called Divine Downloads, and um, the subtitle is 33 Lessons on Life, Love, and Leadership. And I wrote that book to help purpose-driven entrepreneurs and executives to navigate the difficult times in life with purpose, passion, and power. But when it comes to other books that I've written, gosh, they're so – I'm sorry, not other books that I've written, but other books that I've read is what I meant to say. Uh, one of them that I really love is The Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey. Uh, he's the same guy that wrote Seven Principles of Highly Effective People. Uh, I really admire his work, and I really love his work. Um, another book that I read, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the author. Um, it's called Chasing Cool, and I can't think of the author right now. I want to say his name is Noah, but I'm not sure what his last name is. But the book is called Chasing Cool, and that's a really – a good book for entrepreneurs and executives. And then um, I also read another book. Um, 
that I'm trying to think of the name of, but I can't think of the name of that one right now. But one of my all-time favorites for anybody who wants to be in business is The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. I would recommend that hands down to anybody, anywhere, anytime. It's a great book to read. And um, when I think of the other one, I'll have to tell you later. <laughs> but um, those, those are some very good ones that I mentioned already. Thank you so much for those book recommendations. Um, I have read Success Principles, an amazing book. Uh, loved it so much. And Seed of Trust and Chasing Cool, I'm going to have to check those out. Um, and definitely heard of Co- uh, Covey, uh, great author. And um, so and I know we're wrapping up soon, but um, I'm, I'm curious now, uh, you've written a book and you have so much knowledge, great knowledge and wisdom to share. Have you ever thought about um, starting your own podcast? You'd be great. You know, I wish I had $100 for every time someone tells me I need to start a podcast. And um, I I am planning to do that, but it's just not an immediate plan. So thank you okay. for that. Thank you for that compliment. <laughs> I, I, okay. I will definitely um, have you on as a guest, but oh, it's, not on, it's not in the plan for right now. <laughs> <laughs> not a problem. You probably have a huge to-do list, and it's it's not high on the to-do list, and you're obviously very busy with other stuff. But you're an author, so that's great. And that's what I always tell people to write their own book. So um, you've done that, which is amazing. Uh, definitely want to get your book. I'm working um, on two more books. So <laughs> I, I'm trying to get my – I've got two more books to release, so um, those are more of a priority for me than um, doing a, a podcast right now. So. But thank you, though. I, I love being an author. I love pinning, you know, things that I care about and just, you know, helping people through the, the written words. So, yes, I'm really I – got, I got the um, author book, so I, I'm going to try that out and, and keep trying that out and see how it works. Yes, because you are a soul wordsmith, as you mentioned. You have a passion for the English language, which is is amazing, which is incredible. And so, and you want to share that gift with others through writing, which is is great. I want to actually get a copy of your book. I I tried to look for you on Amazon, but I couldn't couldn't find it. I'm going to have to try again. Or do you sell your books on Amazon? I took it off Amazon. It will be back up on Amazon probably next year, but um, for, not, for right now you can just go to lorimans.com. Thank you so much for that. And um, just in general, you just gave us uh, your site, which is great, but could you uh, talk about all the ways that people can reach out and, and connect with you and get in touch with you? Yes, yeah, thank you. Uh, so anyone – who wants to connect with me, please go to LinkedIn and follow me there. Subscribe to my newsletter. It's called Trailblazers Unite. And send me a request on LinkedIn. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram at I am Lori Mans. That's I am and then my name, which is spelled L-O-R-I-M-A-N-N-S. And finally, my business website, is qualitymediaconsultants.com. That's qualitymediaconsultants, with an S, dot com. Thank you so much for that. And just so you know, the information you just provided will be shared in the show notes, so people will be able to see it and and read it there. So uh, thank you so much for that. 
uh, definitely going to check out all those things and, and connect with you. Uh, I'm already connected with you on LinkedIn, but on the other platforms as well. And um, I guess before we um, we wrap up, do you want to leave us with any um, last word or um, uh, final send off? Yeah, I really. Um, the, the other book that I wanted to tell you about was The Millionaire Mind. That's the other book that was really, really, really good. So a final send off is just go for your dreams. Go for your goals and let nothing hold you back because you are talented, you are gifted, you are empowered and equipped to do the work that you're doing. So make sure that you get your homework done, plan, prepare, and strategize about your next move. And don't try to do everything by yourself. Get the help that you need so that you can get to that next level. Wow. Thank you so much for that. That was amazing. And um, I want to, again, uh, thank you for being a guest on the show. And I want to thank you guys uh, for listening. Um, I'm going to see you guys uh, in the next episode. Um, Everyone have a great day and take care. Thank you so much. Hey, guys, before you go, just real quick, um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over Uh, to the uh, Apple Podcasts app, and if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, If you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me, Uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. Uh, So uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a a five-star review on the Apple podcast uh, app uh, that would be great and if you can email us so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise that would be amazing uh, thank you so much and I'll see you guys in the next episode take care bye bye